Welcome to Change Nation, a program brought to you by First30Days.com. On this episode of Change Nation, Ariane talks with psychotherapist Richard O'Connor. Here's Ariane. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Change Nation. I'm Ariane, and today I have the pleasure of talking to Richard O'Connor. He's a psychotherapist and the author of Happy at Last, The Thinking Person's Guide to Finding Joy. He's here to talk with us and to answer all of my questions about happiness, how we can get happy, be happy, stay happy. Dick, it's a pleasure to welcome you to the show. I'm, I'm very pleased to be here, Ariane. What are the characteristics you would look for in looking for a happy, consistent person? I think consistency is the watchword. I, I think the, the problem with happiness is that all of us, except for the very seriously depressed, um, can feel ha- momentarily joyful when something good happens, mm-hmm. but sustaining that feeling is, is something different. And that's what the book sets out to do, is uh, to try to teach us some methods to, um, to, to help us um, uh, stay happy longer. You know, we, can't, we don't, wouldn't want to be constantly happy all the time, but we definitely, you know, um, America as, uh, as a society, the world as a society, um, the people in New York all could be a lot happier than, than we are. Is, if I'm trying to decide whether I'm a happy person, do I need to feel happiness every day, or is it okay for me to have bad days and then go back to being happy? Oh, you certainly, you know, if there's a cause, uh, if you know, if you've lost someone, if you're in grief, if you're in mourning, um, or even if you—it's just a rainy day and you and you're immersed in old memories. It's 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 normal, I think, to have a gray day every now and then. But uh, you know, when those get piled up on top of each other, we start to look about at depression and stress and. So if I'm having a gray day and I'm feeling down or depressed. Should I allow myself to feel those feelings, or should I be doing certain things to think differently or act differently to get happy? That's a choice you have to make. But I, I, I really, I offer some methods for for uh, uh, getting yourself out of it. So um, let's let's uh, let's do a couple right okay, here. Okay. Well, I think the 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 chief method method is is really learning to be more mindful, um, more aware, more calm, more, less, you know, mindfulness is difficult to define, but mindlessness, we all know what that means. It's, it's, it's what we get when we're running around with too many things to do, you know, balancing too many chores, crossing things off our mental lists, and not, not thinking, not aware, not, not open to experience. So I think we have to learn how to slow down to step back, to observe our, our, our minds as they're working, to, to, to learn to develop sort of a third eye and, and watch, our, watch our minds as they're doing their things and learn to get them to slow down and appreciate um, what's going on. When I, when I was, um, when I had two weeks left to go uh, on, on finishing this book last August, I was um, going nuts, pulling my hair out at, at working at home. And I w- walked out in the garden just to get a breath of fresh air, and I saw a big tiger swallowtail butterfly. And, you know, if you had asked me, I would have said, okay, tiger butterfly, 
uh, yellow with black, with black stripes. I know what that is. But I looked closely this time, and I saw down at the bottom of the wings, there are beautiful red and blue uh, shades, and they look like nothing but, but cathedral windows. Um, and I had never noticed that before. And, you know, I th think if I can be that mindful while I'm on deadline and while I'm, while I'm uh, uh, so immersed in, in my work, I think other people can learn to be mindful too. Another quick sort of either action or change of mindset to get people happier? Well, one of my favorites is, uh, well, first of all, um, we have to practice to, to really get happier. If, if we, if we want to reset our th happiness thermostats, which this book is really all about, we have to practice because it doesn't come um, naturally to us. We are, we're wired to be alert and competitive and, and you know, sort of on, on the prowl. Um, so we have to practice slowing down and being more mindful. And one of, one of the very good ways that, that they've discovered of practicing is to go to bed at night thinking about three good things that happen to you during the day. Um, the research shows that this helps you wake up in a better mood the next morning and that as long as you keep doing it, your mood increasingly gets better and better. So you just, you just clear your mind and you try to think of three good experiences that you have, which can be, you know, tiny, tiny, my, you know, my grilled cheese sandwich example, or, you know, can be uh, um, uh, a, a great dinner with your spouse or uh, 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 something you've accomplished at work, or just the feeling of lying in your bed at night and feeling safe and, and warm and, and, and relaxed. Dick, when is it that we stop being happy? I mean, do certain things happen? Does it happen at a certain age where suddenly it's it's less common to be happy? I think that's a good question. I think children, if they're raised in the right environment, are naturally happy. And um, they do seem to stop that um, when they get to be in about fifth or sixth grade, I mm -hmm. think. when 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 socialization really kicks in and they and they have to start worrying about who's friends with whom and who likes whom and and all that stuff uh, they 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 become their adult minds start to worry about things like that um, have you found certain groups of men or women or cultures or age groups that are happier No. The research is that really um, unhappiness is sort of spreading like an epidemic with, with Western culture. If you look around the world, as societies become more and more westernized and consumer-oriented and, and uh, clock-oriented and, and uh, work-oriented, uh, happiness declines. Mm. Um, I, there are uh, for instance, there are societies in, in West Africa uh, today that are still, you know, the equivalent of, of Stone Age, which we, you know, we look down on as, as sort of underdeveloped, but, but they actually work about four hours a week, four hours a day. Um, and the rest of their time is spent in communal activities, in, you know, uh, dancing, making things, 
preparing for holidays, um, singing, just getting together and hanging out with people. I, I think they are probably some of the happiest people in the world. So you said that we're probably moving into more unhappiness yeah. than more happiness. Yes. Are you optimistic that we can stop that, turn it around? I am very optimistic about that because, you know, in, in, in the past 10 years, there have been really amazing developments in, in, in brain research that show that we really have the power to change our own brains. We, we, I was taught that uh, um, when we reach our 20s, we start losing neurons and they never uh, uh, regrow and you know, we're sort of doomed to the same character we've always been. But you know, just eight years ago, they started. They discovered that new neurons are developing in the brain all the time, in, in the hippocampus and in other areas. These new neurons are associated with learning new material. Uh, they migrate outwards toward uh, areas of the higher cortex, and practice practice anything seals those connections. So, a favorite study of mine uh, followed. Uh, a group of college students as, as they were learning to juggle and the researchers had these wonderful machines that allowed them to see into the brains. Um, after three months of daily juggling practice, the researchers could see actual growth in, in gray matter in, in certain areas of the, of the subject's brains. And then they had them stop juggling for three months and that growth disappeared. And that's my analog. You know, I, I think if you practice any happiness skill and dedicate it you get, dedicate yourself to it for three months, so pretty much daily practice, you'll make some uh, uh, pretty big changes. Before we talk more about some of those practices and skills, I think in your book you mentioned three things that rob us primarily from happiness. Three barriers, I think you called them. Mm -hmm. What are what are those three? Um, well, there there are uh, our our culture, our brains, and our minds. Mm -hmm. um, th th I think those are the biggest obstacles. I mean, I, our culture, obviously. I don't think we need to go into much detail on how that makes us miserable, except that that people aren't aware of sort of the cumulative effects of stress, that really um, gets into our bodies and our minds, and really is responsible for the epidemic of depression and anxiety disorders and other kinds of disorders that, that we see, as well as mind-body kinds of, of, of things like fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, uh, these diseases that we don't understand very well, but, the, but they are the effect of, of stress on the immune system and the, and the brain. So there's, that's coming from culture. Work too hard, buy too much, uh, spend all your money, go into debt, um, and don't worry because you'll be happy because, because you can buy the right things and that'll make you happy. So that's the culture. We develop what I call paradigms, um, ways of seeing the world. And I use, I use my dogs as an example. Um, I have two big standard poodles at home and Max is, um, somebody, is a dog we adopted at, at eight weeks. He's, lo he's been loved all his life. He expects everyone to love him. He, if you come to visit us, he'll make a nuisance out of himself just you know, trying to get you to pet him. But Stella, we got f um, after she was refused by her first owners and sent back to the kennel. And we got her at nine months. And something bad happened to her. 
because she is scared of people. She, she's not scared of us anymore. She loves us very much. But she's scared of new things, new people, new sounds. Max and Stella have vastly different paradigms. You know, Max expects the world to love him, and Stella sees the world as, as a, a dangerous place. And our minds develop paradigms, too, and we get used to thinking of, of, of things in characteristic ways that are very hard to snap out of. But, but if we can, take a step back, be mindful, start looking around with fresh and curious eyes, we'll discover lots of new things to, to, to really um, make us excited and, and happy. I think we're going to take a break real quick and we'll come back and talk about the brain. This is Change Nation from the first 30 days. I'm talking with Richard O'Connor with his latest book, Happy at Last. We'll be right back. This is Change Nation from the first 30 days. I'm talking with Dick O'Connor, his latest book, Happy at Last. Right before the break, you mentioned three things that really rob us from happiness. And the third one is really the brain and mm -hmm. what the brain's doing or making us feel and think. Mm -hmm. One of the expressions I've heard is, you know, don't believe everything you think. That's, that's a, that's, that's a good Some line. of it is not really true. Right. And yet right. we when we think it, we think this must be the truth. Right. So what is it about the brain that, you know, just we need to be aware of that can actually help us find more happiness in our life? Well, one of the great... Uh, misunderstandings that our brain per perpetrates on us is the belief that I'll be happy if I get what I want. <laughs> if you really look at yourself, you will see that that doesn't work. All the research e experience shows that it doesn't work that way. When we get what we want, we just want something more instead. But people step on that hedonic treadmill. It's, it's, it's really a way of keeping yourself occupied until you're so worn out that, that you die, just chasing the brass ring um, and never really stopping to uh, appreciate what life has to offer. Always thinking that happiness is going to come next year after I get that promotion or after we get the big house or now with the economy. Um, the economy is a great excuse for unhappiness, but it doesn't have to be. Um, I mean, people who lose their jobs or, or lose money are going to go through some temporary unhappiness, but that doesn't really um, justify taking a, a, a gloom and doom approach to the, to, to the rest of your existence. Another thing I've read that I thought was fascinating was this concept of meaning and looking mm -hmm. for meaning, I guess in relationships and jobs and what matters. Mm -hmm. have, we, have we lost track of that? I think we have. I think that um, most of, up until 150, 200 years ago, most people lived in small communities where they were intimately associated with, with each other, um, where they had faith in, in a church or a religion, um, where they uh, didn't expect uh, too much change in, in their lives. Now we've uh, moved into a wholly different age, and we've, um, you know, if you look at these sociological texts, you see that um, in America over the last few years, trust in others has been going straight downwards. Um, trust in the government, of course, straight down. 
trust in religion, trust in almost every institution, as uh, is visiting in with neighbors, straight down. So, you know, I, somehow we've decided that instead of, you know, going next door to borrow a cup of sugar, it's more convenient to go to the Quickie Mart and buy a pound of, of sugar. Um, we were losing connection, and that was a big part of, of what brought meaning to our lives, a sense of belonging, you know, a sense of making a contribution. Um, when, when all you're doing is trying to get rich, you don't have much meaning in your life. I think what I'd love to do is go through some of the areas in life that bring so much unhappiness to people and just sort of maybe give us one tip as to how to potentially move more towards pleasure and joy. So let's start with finances. I think a lot of people have lost money and they are also fearing losing money. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of scarcity going on. Mm -hmm. If someone's in sort of that financial unhappy place right now, what's your what's your key message? Well, it, it is a it is a, an unhappy place. I mean, you, there's research now to show that the pain of losing something outweighs the joy we had getting it in the first place. Um, so you might conclude that it's better not to covet anything at all. Um, one tip, though. Like, one tip? Yeah. Just remember that really it's true that the best things in life are free. Mm -hmm. Relationships, beauty, um, knowledge. Um, nature. Nature, mm -hmm. food, mm -hmm. sex, uh, food and wine are not exactly free, mm -hmm. but they're pretty, they can be pretty cheap. And Here's another subject, relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of heartache, a lot of unhappiness. Yeah. What do we need to remember? Well, I, I think to, to remember that uh, a lot of the heartache and un un unhappiness is um, is our own own doing, and that we uh, have some responsibility for that. So, you know, when we are, when we think our partner are, is driving us crazy, we really need to uh, step back and take a look at you know what are we doing, and again, mindfulness comes in there, the ability to see ourselves objectively. Um, to to understand that ours is not the only way to see our interactions, but to uh, step back and view the things from sort of like a third dimension. This is a big subject, but health. A lot of people feel uncomfortable in their bodies. They feel fat. They feel ugly. They feel unhealthy. Maybe they're dealing with a diagnosis that has certainly taken their happiness down. Mm -hmm. What would we like to tell them? Well. You know, there's a famous study of uh, lottery winners and accident victims a year mm -hmm. later that found, um, of all things, that people in both groups had pretty much returned to their baseline level of happiness. So if you got rich through the lottery and but were a grumpy person to start out with, you were s just a rich grump. And if you um, were a cheerful person before your accident, you were likely to remain cheerful. So a, a great deal of, of, of it has to do with attitude. And you know that's what I'm trying to preach in the book is mm -hmm. changing that happiness thermostat so that it can be sort of more or less permanently raised. So we're not, more, we're not chained to always being in the same uh, uh, kind of spirit. It's funny you mentioned spirit. It was my next question. Okay. Um, how, how important it is, is it for people to look at, develop, nurture, more of a spiritual connection. I know you talk about meditation in your book. How do people get started with that? Is there really a correlation that is important to do some of the work in that area? 
Yes, there is, although we have to, I think we have to redefine spirituality because, you know, in, in many ways, um, uh, contemporary religion uh, doesn't answer our needs or, or teaches us things that we really have trouble with. Um, but spirituality uh, can simply be feeling connected with nature, uh, connected with beauty, a feeling of awe, a feeling that, that there are forces bigger than ourselves at work in, in the cosmos, which, you know, I, I think is pretty hard to deny. Um, if we can slow down, pay attention, and force ourselves a little bit to step back and get in touch with the, you know, the still small voice that, that resides within us, then I, th I think we're a long way toward regaining spirituality. I mean, there really are bad things that happen to, to good people. And un unfortunately, we, it's, it's natural to be sad and scared um, and feel alone um, when you get bad news from your doctor. The important thing to do is to really not be alone, to, to not isolate yourself, but to let other people know what's going on with you and to reach out and feel connected. Um, I have a friend who's going through a very tough time with breast cancer right now, and um, uh, she comes over and uh, we, uh, my wife and I and she watch uh, Battlestar Galactica uh, reruns together, mm -hmm. and um, it's a great little piece of humanity and connection that we have together. Take one last question before we end. How do you deal with people who are unhappy, are toxic, they might be family members, they might be colleagues, they might be people you live with, where you are committed to finding more happiness and joy, and yet you're consistently thrown in environments, cities, families, that might actually be trying to pull you down. Couple of tips? Couple of tips. I, I think you, you really have to uh, consider limiting your exposure to, to uh, friends or family members or work colleagues or people who really are a negative influence on, on your life. Uh, limit your exposure in, in any way you, you can. And um, there are lots of good resources out there for tips to, on how to do that. And if you can't limit your exposure, then uh, work on limiting how it gets inside your head. I, you know, uh, back to practice again. If you tell yourself, you know, this person is toxic, I don't have to believe what he's saying, I don't have to feel what he's trying to make me feel, you get better and better at that as time goes on. Excellent. We're going to definitely all commit to the practice of happiness. Dick, pleasure to have you on the show. It was a pleasure to be here. For more information about Dick O'Connor's latest book, Happy at Last, please visit our website at first30days.com. He'll be under the tab podcasts under his specific name. For more information, more inspiration, more tips about being happier as well, you can find those at firstcitydays.com and other interviews with our experts. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.